Here's Dreisler finding McDavid. He's in. Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. All right, here we go. Saul 52 for November 16th. Can you believe it's going to be plus 12 or so tomorrow, even plus 13, middle of November? Outstanding. And the Oilers are feeling good about themselves uh, on a three-game heater. Wow. After a big overtime win, come from behind win last night over the Seattle Kraken, 4-3 in overtime. The Oilers stole one. They stole one. Six and a half minutes left. They're down 3-1. Evander Kane takes over the game with a natural hat trick, including the game winner in overtime. So the Oilers now on a three-game winning streak. Not very often do you get to crack up people in the press box, but that was kind of the case last night. At the end of the second period, it's 3-1, and the Oilers are coming off a bad period. I get a text, and the text reads, the Oilers had better get the lead out of their asses or they're going to have another coach fired. So I repeat that text to... Ryan Rashog from TSN. He kind of looked at me, what's the big deal? And he go, and then I looked at him and I said, that's from my mom in Saskatchewan watching the game. So maybe, you know, they kind of paid attention to the advice. Who knows? Well, we just got a big fat curveball thrown at us. We thought we would have Mark Spector for On the Mark and Booster Juice uh, join us right off the hop because Speck is leaving for Tampa Bay this morning and the Oilers' four-game road trip, which starts on Saturday against the Lightning. That's an afternoon start, and then it continues on in FLA, Carolina, and Washington. But Speck is boarding right now, so we're going to have to just get this through this with, you know, our texters, our callers. Let us know. one 401 Let us know what's on your mind, and we will take things from there. Let's welcome in the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas, to say good morning. And Duke, as I said to you last night, the highlight of the game up until two periods last night for me was when they showed the Jonas Brothers on the big scoreboard. There was just three of them in the big suite. I was surprised they didn't have a big entourage with them, but I was very excited to see them. I had no idea. They're just regular guys, Kev. They don't need an entourage. No, I've uh, seen the uh, clips on social media of them at the game, taking it in before I think their next show was in Winnipeg maybe so why not stick around and watch uh, two of the best hockey players on the planet they're sports fans they, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's well documented so it's uh, um, cool to see them there good to see the Oilers get the win mm-hmm. good to see uh, Connor McDavid and Leon continue to kind of get uh, back into their groove Evander Kane weirdly enough I actually thought Evander Kane had had a pretty invisible night up until he actually scored 
his he kinda, first he was in He was involved a little bit. He had a few hits. He mm-hmm. kind of was chirping a little bit at the start of the game. But, again, to score the natural hat trick with the winner in overtime. It's only happened twice before in Edmonton Oilers history. Kelly Buckberger did it in 1993 as well, a long time ago. Uh, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. You can call us on that same line if you would like to have a little chit chat this morning. Text coming in to that number. Pillman. Good morning, gentlemen. At least the boys played a full game. Have a great show, boys. Well, Pillman, I kind of disagree with you on a fair number of com. A fair. I disagree with the whole comment. To be honest with you, I'm sorry for that, but I appreciate the text and. I'll agree to disagree with head coach Chris Knobloch. Coach K, after the game, said he felt that the first period was a 50-50 type of game. I didn't see it that way. I saw Seattle holding the play for the most part. More chances. The Oilers were not sharp. They were not crisp. Too many giveaways. Uh, The passes were, you know, not connecting, not assertive enough. They... Entries into the zone and uh, clearing the zone heavily favored Seattle in the first period. Seattle was the better team, in my opinion, in the first period. And then in the second period, Coach K says, yeah, for that 12 minutes in that second period was probably rock bottom, probably rock bottom. So there's a situation where the... Kraken, in my opinion, had the game. They had this game up until six, seven minutes left in the third period. And that's when, you know, Evander Kane scores a big goal to make it 3-2. Now you got life. The building's back in it. You get uh, everyone jumping. You get things going. And then, you know, you get the tying goal with 45 seconds left and another. Man, Evander Kane almost whiffed on it uh, like he did whiff on the first one. Gets the second one to go over Joey Decord. Now you go to overtime. Where... A lot of things going on. It was funny to hear people going, where's Connor McDavid? Where's Connor McDavid? Well, Connor was on the bench waiting. He was waiting, Duke, to see what was going to happen with the faceoff. And Matthias Ekholm would have been the first guy off. Instead, the Oilers lose the faceoff and now are defending. And that's what Chris Knobloch said uh, after the game. Uh, Jordan... Chimes in. I think the deployment in overtime was smart. Lose the draw. You have Echo, win it, and you switch him for Connor. I hope we see more strategy as his tenure continues, Duke. Don't you think about that? Yeah, it was certainly a different uh, a different deployment. Yeah. We um, we haven't seen a lot of that. Uh, guys going or teams going to defense, especially right off the start. But I mean, hey, you can't argue with the mm-hmm. results. Uh, texts and calls coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. You know what, Evander Kane on a real smoker right now. Seven goals, seven assists in his last ten games. Things are shaping up nicely for Kane. One concern, really concerned for the Oilers, is this play in the second period. Been outscored twenty two eleven. Not good in the second period. Need to make better adjustments. Need to make better. Um, well, execution. Need to execute a lot better. Text, uh, Luke, good morning. Kevin, I agree with you. If not for Skinner being very good last night, this game isn't a good result for the Oilers. The Kraken were the better team for the majority of the game, but that's why you have to play the full 60. That comes from uh, Luke. Northside Norm. <laughs> the Jonas Brothers left right after they were on the Jumbotron. They missed the great energy in the building for the comeback. 
Uh, loved splitting of dry sidle McDavid in overtime north side norm. Again, that was an employment just to see what happens after the opening faceoff. Uh, possession went to the Kraken, and to be honest with you, the Oilers were out there way too long. Leon Dreisaitl went in uh, after a full minute on his shift. Evan Bouchard stayed out a full minute after his shift, after the Oilers gained possession, went into the opposition zone, had a little bit of a foray. But if you listen to Coach Knobloch post-game con- conference, I mean, he hit it right on the head. That was his strategy to start. But then after they got possession and then... He knew McDavid was going to be the next guy out. He knew Leon needed to get his legs back. And then he knew the guy that holding the hot hand was Evander Kane. So, Oilers come out with a huge win. That's their third straight in a row. Still not enough urgency out of the gates. Two games in a row. We didn't see it Monday against the Islanders. We haven't really seen it all year except for the second game against Vancouver where after losing 8-1 in the season opener, you see... That urgency. They could have scored four or five goals on that first shift against Vancouver in game number two. What else caught your eye last night? Uh, Dean texts in 1-833-401-1440. You're exactly right, Kevin. That's why I switched and started watching Jeopardy. (laughs) Missed the last period and overtime. Well, Dean, you got to stick around. You got to see what's going on. So... Again, I would I would probably say the first period was 65-35 Seattle, not 50-50. I'll go 65-35 Seattle. Second period, the Oilers, you know, they actually, the thing that caught my eye as well, the first power play the Oilers had in the second period, the first unit power play was out for just over a minute. Second unit came out at about a minute, 55 seconds left. After that, uh, Coach K switched the lines up and you saw Leon Dreisaitl play with Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman and they stayed together for the most part of the game. And that was the first goal of the game when, you know, it was kind of funny. You, you have a great defenseman. You One of the top defensive defensemen going, a guy the Oilers really dearly miss in Adam Larson. He does the old double cross cut over to the middle of the ice, leaves Connor McDavid wide open, swoops right in full speed, not much chance for Joey Decord. And the Oilers have an early late. And you're thinking you have, now you got the building in it. McDavid scores a really nice deep goal to the backhand. No chance for Decord again. Uh, there was a situation where things were kind of, you know, in the building. All right, here we go. The Oilers are going to kind of, you know, not have their way with Seattle. But after that, it was all Seattle for, I don't know, you know, 10, 12 minutes, as uh, Coach K says. Uh, the shot, the, the first goal, I mean, it's a bit of a break. You get, you know, Jordan Everly with a shot. Stuart Skinner, who is magnificent again with 30, 32 saves. Stuart Skinner, pardon me, 33 saves. He was phenomenal again. Stuart Skinner's save percentage in the last three games, 943. That moves him up to 880 for the year. <laughs> Doesn't sound like much 880, but when you're coming from like 700, it is a lot. Now, the other two goals in the second period, uh, you know, people are really harping on Evan Bouchard's defensive play. And, I mean, if this guy cleans up things defensively, you you see what he does things offensively, holy cow, you were looking at an elite, elite defenseman. Just think if he can clean things up. Get harder on the puck, not softer. Harder, harder, harder on the puck. He 
can be an elite defenseman in his league with in this league with his offensive capability. Uh, the 3-1 goal is the one, like everyone's kind of on Bouchard uh, on that goal. To me, the 3-1 goal is more on Matthias Ekholm. If you look at the entire shift, Ekholm in the offensive zone, he's got the puck. He takes it behind the net. He takes it behind the net. He gets squeezed out behind the net. Play is sort of dying in the offensive zone, but uh, the puck kind of squirts free. Now Ekholm decides to forecheck. He decides to stay in, well, basically right around the goal line, starts forechecking. At that point, now the Oilers, you can see there's confusion. By the time play reverses, it gets all the way back to the Oilers zone. Ekholm's gas. He doesn't have anything left. And basically the 3-1 goal that gets scored by Alex Wenberg, you can see uh, Ekholm, he's got nothing left. So Oilers route shot 15-7 in the second period. Seattle full marks for a 3-1 lead after 40. Text coming in. And uh, this is one thing we will, we're going to get at. Corey sends in Nurse with a big shot block to save the game. Yes, it was. Uh, late in the game when the score was 3-2, uh, Nurse had uh, right basically at mid-ice. I think it was Schwartz. Uh, uh, Gregor said it might have been McCann. I thought it was Schwartz. Can't really remember now anymore. But uh Big, big game-saving uh, block by Darnell Nurse. Uh, calls coming in to one 1440 We got Brian on the line. Brian, good morning. You're on Sports 1440. What did you think of the game good last morning. night? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll always watch the games. Uh, you have to say uh, it was nice to uh, have a, a slightly unsatisfying game turn into a rather satisfying game uh, in the span of, what, about three minutes. It, but it's again. I have to agree with you 100. percent They're not. Uh, they they just don't seem to want to play a complete 60 minute game, and that's that's going to cost them a cup. It well, really let's will. not worry about that yet. Let's worry about making the playoffs first, Brian. Oh so. no, they'll they'll make <laughs> the playoffs. The the main reason that I was calling this morning though is is uh, I'd like to know. If you have any idea what the NHL is thinking, this not this Friday, but the following Friday, uh, I believe they're in uh, New Jersey. Or, no, they're in Washington, so it's Black Friday, Brian. So it's the American Thanksgiving on Thursday. Is that what you're getting at? Who, who in God's name in Canada is going to be watching? The they game don't care about Canada. Time? They don't care about Canada, Brian, on American Thanksgiving. <laughs> don't give a rat's ass about that. They want fans to rock that place in Washington and for an afternoon game. This has been going on for years and years and years. Now you get two of the top players in the world going there. It creates even more of a buzz. I think for one day, one weekday out of the year, I don't think it's a problem for Oiler fans to... What are you going to do on Friday? You're going to take Friday afternoon off, aren't you? I can't. Why not? Well, I mean, I because <laughs> I, I'm from the old... Because you're I'm, already I'm, off, probably. I'm, I'm 62, Kevin. I'm from the old school that, you know what? You still go to work. Well, and uh, I, I see you knocking off about 1 o'clock, Brian. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate all your input when you call in here on Sports 1440. Take care. Have a good one. Yeah, have a good one. Uh, text coming in, one 401 BG says, Boosh was plus two and had three points. One of those points set up the game winner. Fans can get off his back. So, Oilers start things off on the road here. 
Saturday. That's an afternoon game too. So two out of the four are afternoon games. One aspect of this road trip that you can look at, the Oilers play better against better teams for some reason. Whatever the matchup, if you are playing a better team, it seems, they come out with a better performance. Maybe that starts Saturday in Tampa Bay, but a lot of work to do. Hey, Duke, while the Oilers are away, it's bull-busting time. Well, not bull-busting. That used to be an old thing. That was Cody Snyder's bull-busting. He was ahead of the game. Cody Snyder was one of the top bull riders in the world. He came out with Cody Snyder's bull-busting, but it's PBR. That's Friday, Saturday. I, are you you got to be going, no? Or do you got to call another uh, senior hockey game Friday? No, the, the senior team is off this weekend, so I will be sticking around here in the city. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm going to venture on down to check it out. I got there was a picture that came in to our text line uh, very early this morning, 651 from Snarly, and oh, it is a picture yeah. of uh, the dirt being dumped, the first load of dirt dumped down onto the uh, cement of Rogers Place. So uh, I actually think... Depending on how things work out, uh, myself and former Oshep T-Bird, Connor Halley, oh, might go check it out uh, as a tandem. I think um, it'll be fun for me to take someone who's okay. a little more on the inexperienced side so to the gonna, world of rodeo. I was just going to say, so you're going to take him for a tutorial. Is he going to, like, he's going to be just sitting there. Has he ever been to a farm, Connor? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. I, Connor, and I think he's been to a rodeo at least a time or two in his uh, over his years. So. I, you take him down to Lamley's or whatever and well, get that's him what, some Well, that's what he said. And, we were going to get him all garbed up to go for a night on the town, uh, head, out, know, head out country country time and on the big city scene. With that cookie duster he's got going, maybe, you know, <laughs> he looks like this could be a big night, big weekend for for the former Ross Shep T-Bird. So yeah, hopefully we'll have some uh, confirmation on that by tomorrow morning show about whether or not Connor and I are going to go hit up the the PBR event at Rogers <laughs> this weekend. Uh, tons of texts, and we'll get to some of your calls here after the break. Uh, had to do a little juggling with uh, spec boarding for Tampa Bay. So uh, coming up on the big program today, we will have uh, a little different look amongst things, but uh, we're going to start things off at, uh, at 7.40, the Lowdown with Low Tide. Alan Mitchell will guest with us at 7.40. So uh, we'll get his thoughts from Alan Mitchell at 7.40. Our co-host at 8 o'clock, Gladyslav Schmid, will check in from 8 to 10. Every Thursday, Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. He'll be our headliner of the day at 9 o'clock. Looking forward to uh, hooking up with uh, Nick Kiprios from Rogers Sportsnet. Uh, Kiprios and Bourne. I mean, he's had a lot of lot of shows going on over the years uh, in the media industry after he retired. So, uh, Nick Kiprios at nine, then Dana O'Neill, NCAA basketball. Uh, well, a lot of things going on in NCAA hoops. So, uh, Dana O'Neill will uh, cover that for us. We'll go in or out with Laddie. Imagine what Laddie's going to be doing in or out. Holy smokes! And uh, Great Cup week is ready to rock and roll in the hammer. We will have a little chat with Jerry Haraxi, the spirit of Edmonton, one of the places to be if you are at the Great Cup in Hamilton. The party should be, well, Thursday's really, Thursday night is really when it starts humming. But, I mean, these guys are setting up yesterday and, and things like that. So Jerry Haraxi from the spirit of Edmonton uh, will be with us at uh, 10 20 plus some unbelievable questions from the Duke uh, in or out. Are you in or are you out? Uh, when we come back, more of your texts and more of your calls, and then we will hook up with Alan Mitchell at 740. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. 
Oh, the Duke has to mix things up because we've got Alan Mitchell at the 740 break and he can't play the normal Brian Adams uh, cut at that point because he has Alan Mitchell's intro song. So the Duke has to throw in Brian Adams one segment earlier. Now, Duke, did you know this? And I love testing you on stuff that happens a long time ago. So 20 years ago today, and it's great that we're going to have Jerry Haraxi on today. 20 years ago today, the Edmonton Eskimos beat Montreal to win the 2003 Grey Cup. Did you know that? Today. If you'd given me the the this date X amount of years ago, I based on time of year and things, I probably would have, that would have been one of my first guesses. Okay. Uh, obviously knowing that this, um, the exact years of the uh, mm-hmm. double E's championships aren't off the top of my head, but you know, a little deductive reasoning uh, probably could have landed on that eventually, but. So also at the Grey Cup that year, Brian Adams was playing the halftime show. Well, there you go. Everything comes full circle on this <laughs> show, doesn't it? Brian Adams and uh, Sam Roberts. Oh. The halftime show. Wow. 20 years ago. Was it good? Well, it was in Regina, and I didn't cover that one because Johnny Sexsmith went to that one. It's a good thing I didn't. I covered the 95 Grey Cup in Regina, which was, like, that's kind of like a home game for me as yes. well as a road game which are very dangerous. Those are, as a reporter, they always say, well, you know, you you see guys on the road, reporters back in the day. It doesn't happen anymore. As guys would say, well, it's, it's an away game because, you know, you're going out, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that. As long as you file, as long as you do your reports, everything is just do as you dabre. But if you are doing them at home, you got to worry about other things at home. So those are those were good, great cups in Regina, for sure. 727, tons of texts. Uh, if you want to give us a shout, one 401 The King of Fort Nasty says, uh, Hey, good morning, KK and Duke. So who had Evander Kane dressed in their fantasy league? Well, I guess the Duke and Connor Halley will address that at 11 o'clock with Fantasy Frenzy, one of your, one of your part of your content, I guess. Yeah, we, uh, we had Anna Dua from uh, the NHL Network on yesterday, and we actually talked with her about this um, format, more so for daily fantasy than as opposed to a traditional fantasy hockey leagues about what they call stacking mm-hmm. lines. So if you were keen on the Oilers to continue this uh, resurgence here and you did select, um, you know, one or two players off of uh, those Oilers' top two lines, you could have been rewarded by getting Evander Kane, who probably mm-hmm. in the daily fantasy scope would have been at a pretty good price, I would think. Probably a decent price, mm-hmm. you would think. Uh, CB Radio Guy... Text in the same guy texting in to say Bouchard had two points, get off his back is the same guy texting in saying Bouchard is awful, cost us may cost us the cup with turnovers. I don't know. Uh, no more rose colored glasses, cup or bust. Remember, the team was awful last night. Bouchard made two glaring errors that led to goals. Let's not sit here and get mad at texters for being honest. Connor can say cup or bust so the fans can too. Again, the third goal, I don't see. I see a lot on Ekholm. I see a lot on Ekholm. I see Bouchard trying to help his partner out. That's what I see. I see Bouchard going, Ekholm's bailed my ass out many times. And I've noticed Ekholm on the forecheck. I've seen him behind the net for, I don't know, 20 seconds battling behind the net in the corner and then skating back to get into the play and having nothing left in the tank. Text coming in about the third period and Vinny DeHarnay's almost own goal. Oh, smoker. That was a backhander that went just, just, well, I guess from that angle, 
it flushed the post straight on, basically. We could be having a very different type of conversation oh. this morning had that gone um, a little more awry. And, hey, we, we talked about over the first couple yeah. weeks of the season, the Oilers, <laughs> even when they were playing not that bad, they, A, weren't getting a save when they needed it. That has come around. Stuart oh. Skinner with another good performance last night, including a couple great stops. And uh, it's honestly came down to, like, it's something you can't really quantify, but some puck luck. And who knows, maybe in the first two weeks of the season, that ends up in the net because that's just how things were going for the oil at that time. Right now, they've you got know, a bit of mojo on their side, and uh, and they get lucky. Uh, Darnell Nurse blocks a shot on the empty net yeah. in the after Connor mm-hmm. McDavid turns it over at center ice. So like, you got to take the positives when mm-hmm. they're coming your way and, and don't apologize for no. them. Just take it in stride. You know, when he was, Vinny D was doing the right thing, trying to milk the clock to get, it was four on four, trying to go, okay, if I can eat 20, 30 seconds here. And he was doing that. Another oiler forward swooped in kind of by the net and then just kept going because he's not expecting uh, DeHarnay to do that. So anyway, it all worked out in the end on a positive note for the Oilers in a 4-3 victory. Uh, natural hat trick. Back-to-back games for the Oilers against Seattle. Zach Hyman does it in Seattle. Evander Kane does it here. The natural hat trick for Kane. He's the sixth player in NHL history to score the third goal, the hat trick goal, to complete the hat trick in overtime. And just the second player in Oilers history to score the hat trick goal in overtime. Kelly Buckberger did it again in 1993. Here's Evander Kane following the game last night. So maybe not uh, your best stuff through 40, but how, how much does it come from behind when maybe help this group right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously going into a long road trip here um, to get a couple wins finally at home in a row is nice. And, um, you know, we've, we've, we've come back before down uh, going into the third period. It was nice to be able to do that uh, for the first time this year. Uh, it's going to take some magic for a team that was in 31st place to climb all the way back, right? Yeah. Is that what some of this is? Whether you deserve it or not, you're walking over two points. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm kind of beating a dead horse. I think our our play was better than our record was um, prior to, but at the same time, we were giving up way too much, and, and uh, the pucks weren't going to the net, and I think... Obviously, these last couple of games, we've, we've had big third periods and uh, they've propelled us to wins. And um, I think we're starting to find uh, our groove a little bit here. So the emotional difference between where this game was headed and where it ended up is, is pretty massive. How important is it to the guys in this room that you come out of here with winning this? Team? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it in the second intermission. Um, you know, we got to create some energy. We got to flick the switch. And um, I thought we did a pretty good job. We got in a little penalty trouble uh, in that first half of the third period. and. Our penalty did, did a great job. Stu was big, uh, made the saves he had to. And, um, you know, Nursey saving that empty net goal off the faceoff there was a huge play, obviously, uh, to, to help us uh, win the game. So that was a great play. Big picture, Evander. I mean, you, you've talked before about, you know, when your teammates play physical, when the group plays physical, how that can sort of, you know, lead to good things for you guys. Yeah. Where do you think this group is at in terms of kind of that overall battle level and physicality level that you know needs to be there? To- yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think it can obviously improve greatly. Uh, you know, I think we all know that in this room. I think... Um, that's only going to lead to uh, more scoring opportunities for us uh, when you get all 20 guys playing that way. Um, I think some of the goals we gave up, uh, you know, we could have been a little harder, a little firmer. But uh, as I said, I think we did a good job of not being deterred um, and, and, and not having a letdown going to the third period after that second and pushing uh, to get a victory. You have a group where maybe not as many guys have that in their game by nature. Is it incumbent on everybody to try and find more of that, even if it's maybe not what their bread and butter is? I, I think uh, 
everybody has to find a way to contribute uh, in a positive way uh, to the game, uh, whichever way that is. And I think, you know, if you get more guys doing that uh, on a consistent basis, you're going to have success. And you know, the last two games, you know, we've made some mistakes, but um, I thought I thought guys have been doing a good job uh, for the most part of bringing uh, a positive influence to the game, and we've had some success. The guys that are getting it done, though, are like five feet from the net guys. It, it would seem here recently. Yeah, I mean that's that's where we have to score goals right now. Um, you know, we, I think a lot of our goals are coming from around the net, uh, as you mentioned, and um, guys are going there. And, and when we put pucks there, um, it makes it uh, more important to go there, and, and it, it creates guys uh, wanting to go there when pucks are going to the net. So you, you you were saying you know your play was better than the record, and the, the numbers like prove that. Uh, you know, you, Dayarnay hits the post, you get the late goals, Skinner makes the save. Is those, those are the kind of things that you needed to fall your way the last little while and maybe they are now. Yeah, uh, you know, when you keep working and you stick with it, um, as I think our entire group has done, uh, the bounces and, and, the, and the chances and the finish will eventually come and, um, you know, we've seen a little bit of that, obviously. Uh, guys are making some really good plays out there and, um, you know, we had a little bit of finish in the third period. That's Oilers forward Evander Kane. So, hat trick, natural hat trick for Evander Kane. He has nine hat tricks in his career, I believe, total, and six of them are with the Oilers. So that's a, that's a pretty good showing with the Oilers. The penalty kill last night was very, very good. You know, Derek Ryan showed a lot of good stuff on the penalty kill. Darnell Nurse, again, he had the the big block with, uh, you know, just over a minute left that resulted, that enabled the Oilers to get that that tying goal with 45 seconds left. Nurse played 25-46. He played the most out of anyone on the ice for the Oilers. Connor McDavid, 23-36. For Nurse, had five block shots. He had uh, three hits. So good game for Darnell Nurse. Penalty kill again, five for five. Perfect power play. Didn't uh, result in a goal. Had a couple of looks, but maybe a little more inside pressure, a little more inside traffic in, in front of the net to on Joey Decord, who had to come up with some key saves as well. Uh, it's always interesting to hear Grant Fear talk about Joey Decord. He thinks he's going to be a number one goaltender in the league down the road. Um, we'll see where that goes, though. When we come back, more of your texts, more of your calls. We will check in with Alan Mitchell in the lowdown, noon to 2, right here on Sports 1440. That's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Oh, Dolly can only mean one thing. Uh, normally when we have Mark Spector on for On the Mark, it's uh, ACDC, I guess, right? It's a little, that's like night and day to go where we're going to go with now. And as we touched on uh, earlier, Mark Spector just boarding a flight at 7 o'clock to go to Tampa Bay. So now we will have a little pinch hitter. So how about the segment called You Can Call Me Al, powered by Booster Juice, fueled by Booster Juice. You can download the new Booster Juice Rewards app today to start earning berry points for delicious and nutritious smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through your day. Let's welcome in Alan Mitchell, the host of uh, The Lowdown, 12 to 2 on Sports 1440. Good morning, Al. Good morning. How are you? Oh, second best day of my life, Al. Okay. All right. And tomorrow being the best? Well, that first one hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so they're all a tie for second, Al. All right. I got it. I got it. What did you take away from last night's game, Alan? 
Well, there's lots of things. It was a, obviously a win is a win is a win. There's lots of chaos in the defensive zone. I know uh, a lot of people spent a lot of time writing about the system over the summer, whether you know man-to-man or zone or some hybrid was going to be the case. But we saw last night again the Edmonton Oilers. It's about execution. They can play any any uh, 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 format they want, but they have to be able to execute. There was a lot of chaos there. Uh, but sometimes your great players become so great, they overwhelm the game. And Evander Kane was that last night. I thought Stuart Skinner played well. One puck bounced out off what seemed like a Kevlar pad and ended up going in the net on a deflection. But I thought he played well. Uh, I, I think that Evan Bouchard was great at one end and chaotic at the other end. But this this game for me was about Evander Kane announcing that he's back and he's healthy. We, we've known he's trending that way. Uh, but that was a hell of a game by a big power forward. And, you know, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid also came along and are playing well. Zach Hyman, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, mm-hmm. uh, they've got to get Connor Brown in the lineup. I suspect that'll happen soon. But, you know, that's the kind of game, if they make the playoffs and then go on a deep run in the spring, which they can do, that sort of game, that win when they really needed to keep it going, they're on the way to a, a really difficult road trip. Uh, down into Florida and Carolina and then back up to the American capital. That was a big win last night. And Evander Kane uh, covered a lot of, of, uh, a lot of mistakes and, and really uh, saved the day for the Edmonton Oilers, a franchise that, despite all the talent they have, is, is not necessarily uh, as confident and as strong as they should be at this time of year. You know, it's funny, Alan, is that, you know, you've got a three-game winning streak and there's still a lot of people that are so concerned about things because of what's happened at the start. You mentioned Bouchard again. It's night and day defensively to the offensive zone. You saw magic uh, when he set up, you know, Evander Kane on a beautiful, beautiful setup to make it 3-2. On the 3-1 goal, I looked at it like Bouchard was trying to do so much to help out his partner, Matthias Ekholm, because Ekholm was in the offensive zone for probably 30 seconds behind the net in the corner, you know, trying to establish something, trying to make something happen. And I think it was one of those instances where Bouchard just kind of got caught up trying to help his own D-man partner out because we've seen and talked about it at home doing the same to Bouchard so many times. What did you make of that third goal that the Oilers allowed in the third period? And that's when everyone was going, "Uh oh, this is here we go again. 3-1, Seattle's going to sneak out of here with a victory. Well, I think that, that you know Bouchard uh, is is a flawed defensive player, and so you you know how do you make up for that? Well, a year ago they traded for Ekholm. Ekholm was healthy, and Ekholm did cover, as you said, for Evan Bouchard. When when you when your defense is relying on Evan Bouchard to to make a correct decision or to to scamper back quickly enough to cover, the, your your team is in trouble. That's the, you want to guard against that, and and Bouchard. His, his instincts are just not fabulous. As great as he is in the offensive zone, or as great as he is passing the puck out of his own zone, Bouchard's instincts defensively aren't there, and he doesn't have the foot speed of, say, a Philip Roberg. I think eventually the owner uh, coaching staff is going to run uh, probably at home with another partner. It won't be DeHarnay because of foot speed, but it might be Philip Roberg on the right side. Bouchard is a, a gifted player. Um, I've I've been kind of following what the the defensive changes are, and they seem to be doing straight up right now where the next guy up, the next pairing up goes out. uh, And eventually I I suspect that will be tweaked, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Bouchard get a lot of offensive zone starts with a Brett Kulak and then Ekholm play 
uh, the Ekholm pairing with, say, Broberg, and then Nurse with CeCe, maybe play the defensive zone starts, uh, and and maybe we'll see that. Because Bouchard is so gifted in the mm-hmm. offensive zone, even at 5-on-5, five five, that's probably worth doing the tweak. They're not doing it now, but I, I suspect they will at some point. Should mention, as we're speaking with Alan Mitchell of Sports 1440, uh, the Cody Ceci had a pretty good game last night. Made a very good defensive play early on the game, basically saving a goal coming back on Alex Winberg. What did you make, Alan, of the uh, almost own goal in the third period by Vincent DeHarnay? Well, you know, it, it's... it's it, it, the way the Oilers have gone this year and the first what is coming up on 20 games, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it went in. But, but in truth, even though that puck almost went in and gave everybody a heart attack, uh, the Oilers got some, some good luck last night. There were some things that happened that could have been completely disastrous. They were in the penalty box the whole time. I wonder if Adam Ernie gets a little extra uh, discipline for, for what he did last night. Uh, but I wanted to just highlight what you mentioned about Cody Ceci. His wheels seem to be back. Last year, they, you know, there was a core injury. That's all we heard was there was a core, core injury uh, because everybody's so vague about, about how players are hurt and what specifically is the problem. But he seems to have his wheels back, and he, you know, he's a good NHL defenseman, and I mean that as a compliment. Uh, he's, he's a guy who can play uh, big minutes. He does, unlike Bouchard, he does recognize danger and not all the time, but he often does respond to it, and I think he's I think he's settling in this year. He had a couple of pinches early that, in the year that weren't great, uh, and now he seems to be settling in and playing solid defense. And if he does that, he's a very valuable member of this team. Alan Mitchell with us on Sports fourteen forty. Just one quick one, just because it came to the top of my head about Kyler Yamamoto, Alan. And you know, I I think in the first period alone, he had close to six minutes of ice time. I never noticed him once on the ice. Where do where, like? I mean, and, and we saw that last year. We saw it in in years past here. But I mean, that's I guess is Kyler Yamamoto is he is what he is. Well, Yamamoto made a really nice play on a, a turned over a puck on Evan Bouchard. It resulted in a goal. Yamamoto is a very subtle player, and he he is not. He's a complimentary offensive player. So you're you're you know if you're paying him for his offense, you're you're probably uh, making a mistake. But what he does is he can, at, at like two million or one and a half or one point eight or even two point two. What he can do is play with high skill and retrieve pucks and interrupt offensive uh, 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 sorties out of out of the opposition's zone. He, he's a he's a, Adam Larson called him a gnat the other day. Mm-hmm. So he, unless you're watching him, I mean, I agree. I think you can go a whole game without noticing him. Uh, but if you if you watch him like had a, a highlight uh, um, camera on him. Yamamoto does a lot of useful things, and the issue for him, for me anyway, uh, is that you always worry about injury. You know, he's he's when he gets hurt, it, it, you know, he's out of the lineup, and then he comes back and he's not quite himself, and that is the issue for Yamamoto. But uh, you know, it, I think he, if he if he were healthy, he'd have 15 goal, 35 point seasons playing on a skill line, and that skill line would probably outscore the opposition by a significant amount. Partly because Yamamoto is so good at turning over pucks when the other team has them. Kyler Yamamoto, in my mind, Alan is just a one-one guy. He is going to be signing a one-year contract for one million dollars for a long time until he uh, takes it to the next level, and then maybe gets something longer term. 
So, what do you make of the goaltending goal situation right now, Alan? I mean, Stuart Skinner has been very, very good the last three games. A 943 save percentage in the three wins. You got Cal Pickard sitting there kind of waiting to get into a game. I said last night I thought maybe we might see Pickard in Washington, but for the most part, I think you're running with uh, Stuart Skinner here. The Oilers don't have a back-to-back, Alan, until the end of December, right before the break when they go into the New York area. So where do you see, and again, with Jack Campbell struggling and is trying to refine his game, where do you see the Oilers' goaltending situation moving forward? Well, just to go back a little bit on the Yamamoto thing, mm-hmm. I, I think that Tyler Yamamoto will sign for uh, longer periods uh, mm-hmm. of, than one year and one million. Yeah, I, I don't. Think that, 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 well, that's cool, yep. but I, I want to defend him a little bit. I think that he's a player who, if he's healthy, uh, he's going to have a very good career. The health will be the issue there. As far as Stuart Skinner is concerned, I think he's played very well. I I, I, I I'm always surprised that Oilers fans have forgotten how well he played a year ago when he was thrust into the starting role and ended up being a finalist for the Calder Trophy. And every every analytics expert I've ever talked to says you have to have a decent sample size on a player before you mm-hmm. bury him or, or crown him king. Well, last year they had a 50-game sample size, and he was very good. This year, far less than that, and people are mad at him and mad at Dustin Schwartz. Stuart Skinner's coming around, and that's what happens with, you know, there's, there's a regression and there's a, 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 a ebb and flow to every season, and Skinner did struggle. You know, he struggled in front of a, a very chaotic defensive group, but he struggled, and it was, it was difficult to find the way, and, and he wasn't winning hockey games. Mm-hmm. He wasn't stealing hockey games. But now the last several games, he has turned around. I think he's at a, a, about a 9-25 uh, save percentage in the last four games at 5-on-5, five five, mm-hmm. and that's a terrific number. I think Stuart Skinner is, is going to need some help, uh, and I don't think Calvin Pickard is it. And I know Jack Campbell is it. I, I worry about him. He did not play well in the minors. Uh, the owners do have a really good young goaltender in Olivier Rodrigue, uh, who has played well this year uh, with the Bakersfield Condors. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the owners make a move. I know that Calgary is shopping some players quietly, and uh, uh, Daniel Vladar down there might be a good solution for the owners as a kind of uh, backup or 1B goaltender behind Stuart Skinner. What do you make of Olivier Rodrigue down on the farm? He's, he's done exactly, I've tracked his career comparing it to Stuart Skinner. He's done exactly what Skinner did. He was mediocre his first year and a half as a goaltender in the minors, and then he turned it around, as did Stuart Skinner, and now he's playing extremely well. And I, I would not be shocked if he got a game or two sometime this year. The orders are under the gun, so they don't want to risk too much. But uh, he's, he's absolutely playing well. He was tied uh, with Pickard last year in, mm-hmm. I think it was ninth overall in save percentage in the American Hockey League. He's a player that Edmonton Oilers fans will probably hear from, and that will be two goalies in a row, Skinner and, and Rodrigue, if it does happen, that have been drafted and developed by the organization. And as you know, I mean, we can go back to Moog and Fear, and then it was all the way to Devin Dubnik, uh, and, and then Skinner, that the Oilers drafted and developed teenagers uh, and, and did a good job of it. So it's a rare thing, but it might happen again on the heels of Stuart Skinner. Encouraging news, and he's an encouraging player. He really is a good goaltender. Yeah, well, last night he played against Calgary, gave up four goals on 41 shots. So he was under the gun last night. It was 
a closer game than that. It was a 2-1 uh, after the second period, two goals in the third period. So uh, 37 saves for Olivier Rodrigue last night. Uh, Baco's kind of struggling right now down on the farm, but again, you've got a lot of guys coming up and moving in that direction. So what's on yeah. the big program today, Al? Do you, have you got the lineup from Fast Freddy Krueger yet or not? What we have is uh, uh, Bag Milk, who uh, will not give us his real name, uh, from Waters Nation. We'll review the game. We'll look forward to the Thursday nighter. And I want to, I, I want to uh, talk a little bit today about Connor Brown. So we'll open up the, uh, the text line and talk about the kind of player he is, what people expect of him, and when he arrives back in the lineup, which should be soon, where they think he should play, uh, on the, whether it should be like top line or third line until he gets used to things. Yeah, I think he's probably going to see action down down on the bottom six until he gets his uh, kind of feet under him. Do you like the Do you like the segment pinch hitting for spec? You can call me Al. Oh sure, uh, I, I, I any time. Uh, um, you must have seen Paul Simon in concert, correct or no? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I love Paul Simon. Some of the, the really good songs. Uh, well, of our both of our our youths would yeah. have been uh, written and performed by either Paul Simon or, or, or Garfunkel. Yeah, that that Graceland album is an oh, all time classic. It is going back to uh, well, concert in the park. Simon and Garfunkel is one of the best ever, isn't it? I agree. Well, our Garfunkel, what a voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I could sing like Bridge Over Troubled Water, I, I never would have been in radio. I just would have gone right to, you know, records. Well, <laughs> I, I think we could see that track someday. We'll see it someday. <laughs> Not a chance. Thanks, Al. Good. Have a good All show right. at noon today. Thanks, bud. Hey, thanks, Ben. You have a great day. All right. That is Alan Mitchell, the lowdown with Low Tide. Coming up at uh, 12 o'clock, and hey, that's the new segment when Specs not around. It's You Can Call Me Al, energized by Booster Juice. It, get the boost you need at Booster Juice. So with Spec, oh, 37,000 feet in the air, we will uh, just be all just Ladislav Schmid and the Duke and I coming up at 8 o'clock. At uh, 9 o'clock, Nick Kiprios from Rogers Sportsnet, Sportsnet and Dane O'Neill uh, from The Athletic, uh, NCAA Basketball. If you want to get your college hoops fixed, that's where you want to be at 9.20. When we come back, it is Ladislav Schmid. 8 to 10. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update. And it is Thursday Night Football. This Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. We're in an NFL jersey tonight to the West Edmonton Mall location. You can get 50% off wings courtesy the old soapy Mark Levers. Here is the Duke with the Sports 1440 update.